Chapter Twenty Five of Lincoln the Lawyer. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Lincoln the Lawyer by Frederick Trevor Hill. As President, the condition of the government when Lincoln reached Washington may fairly be described as chaotic bewildered and intimidated by threats of secession most of the political leaders in the north had lost their heads and their babble of incoherencies merely aggravated the hopeless confusion during the first weeks of december eighteen sixty at least forty bills each promising national salvation were introduced into the house and senate and more futile propositions were probably never submitted to a legislative body every form of weak-kneed compromise from sentimental sop to abject surrender had its nervous advocate and between andrew johnson's puerile scheme of giving the presidency to the south and the vice-presidency to the north and vice versa every alternate four years and daniel sickles wild-eyed pother about new york city separation from the union every phase of political dimension was painfully exhibited it was not only the mental weaklings who collapsed under the strain there were men of force and character among the panic-stricken men who bulked big in the national councils and whose reputation as lawyers and jurists stood firmly established but in all the discussions concerning the legality of secession there was no note of authority in the utterances of the union advocates and the stout assertions of the secessionists for the most part passed unchallenged indeed president buchanan who had achieved considerable distinction as a lawyer before his elevation to office employed his legal talents to such poor advantage that he virtually argued against his own client noting prohibitions negations and general impotency in every line of the constitution but not seeing one word of help in it for the government he represented as seward remarked his long and argumentative message to congress in december eighteen sixty conclusively proved first that no state had the right to secede unless it wanted to and second that it was the president's duty to enforce the law unless somebody opposed him but buchanan had the benefit of stanton's distinguished if ineffective advice in the preparation of that very message and seward himself able lawyer though he was completely lost his head a few months later his particular mania taking the suicidal form of averting the civil perils by instigating a foreign war other distinguished members of the bar like like reverdy johnson feeling the ground of precedent slipping beneath their feet stumbled forward shouting vague warnings against illegal steps of any kind and horace greeley almost beside himself with grief and fear quavered out empty suggestions for conciliation which only increased the public perplexity it was in the midst of all this deplorable helplessness and distraction that lincoln assumed his duties as head of the crumbling government and of all the earnest supporters of the union he alone displayed any calmness or presence of mind and his inaugural address contained almost the first decisive utterance on the legal aspect of the situation he was without any national reputation as a lawyer but his opening words were plainly indicative of his professional attainments 
no state could of its own notion lawfully withdraw from the union he declared with firmness it was not necessary that the constitution should contain any express provision forbidding such action perpetuity was implied if not expressed in the fundamental law of all national governments no government proper ever had a provision in its organic law for its own termination but if the united states was not a government proper but a mere association of states bound by an agreement in the nature of a contract then the law of contracts applied one party to a legal contract might violate it break it so to speak but mutual consent of all parties was necessary before it could be lawfully rescinded such was his simple sane lawyer-like statement of the law so simple indeed that it sounded inadequate to the exigencies of the moment but nothing in all the learned volumes which have since been written on the legal aspects of secession has ever contradicted or disproved it again with quieting firmness he handled the dred scott case the fugitive slave law and the other legal questions in dispute divesting them of all technicalities and disregarding their complicated refinements until he reached the real issues and showed that all the points in controversy could be adjusted by well-recognized principles of law in a word he placed the secessionists for the first time on the defensive appealed to the deep law-abiding sentiment of the american people and afforded the supporters of the union a firm legal foothold he knew the moral effect of a legal authority which the people could understand and the importance of his clear prompt announcement cannot be overestimated but it was when he touched upon the frenzied proposals for compromise that his professional knowledge showed to best advantage he had been repeatedly advised after his nomination to assure the south that he would do nothing to invalidate slavery and when he refused to make any premature announcement of his policy some of the knee-shaking compromisers introduced and passed an amendment in congress to the effect that the federal government should never interfere with any domestic institution of the states including that of persons held in slavery those who fathered this amendment firmly believed it would reconcile the south and considered it of vital importance while it met with a storm of denunciation from those who regarded it as an absolute surrender of basic principles but lincoln instantly saw that such a provision was powerless for either good or evil and amounted to nothing more than a reaffirmation of the constitution the federal government had no power under the constitution to interfere with any domestic institution of the states and it was as puerile as it was superfluous to record the fact in a solemnly worded amendment holding such a provision to now be implied constitutional law lincoln coolly remarked of the amendment i have no objection to its being made express and irrevocable this plain calm and gravely humorous exposition of the legal aspects of the situation shows an experienced lawyer well grounded in the fundamental principles of law and it effectually stilled the warring factions in the north by demonstrating the emptiness of their dispute indeed if argument could have averted the impending perils lincoln's initial utterance would have carried the day for no one has ever challenged the findings of fact or overruled the conclusions of law of his first inaugural it is a masterpiece of pleading which alone should entitle him 
to high rank in the profession. A few months after he had given this original proof of professional ability, circumstances arose which subjected his legal qualities to a test of almost unparalleled severity, and had he not responded, the history of this country might not read as it does today. Shortly after Sumter was fired upon, but before any serious collision had occurred, England and France issued proclamations of neutrality, and this practical recognition of the Confederacy, which aroused public indignation throughout the North, provoked Seward almost beyond endurance, and throwing caution to the wind, the great New York lawyer penned a note of instructions to the American minister in London, couched in such sharp and peremptory language that its presentation to the British authorities must have instantly resulted in the severance of all diplomatic intercourse. But the man to whom the angry secretary submitted his proposed dispatch was a master of self-control, schooled by the discipline of the courtroom, until he was proof against all provocation in the quiet of his study. In its original form, it was hot-headed rebuke. It left his hands a model of diplomatic remonstrance, dignified and firm, exhibiting the reserve of a wise counselor sure of his own cause, but offering neither menace nor affront to the parties addressed. No layman could possibly have worded that all-important paper with equal skill, and it is not too much to say that Lincoln's professional caution and astuteness saved a situation fraught with direst national perils. Certainly his interlineations, suggestions, and emendations, as they appear on Seward's manuscript, of themselves afford a lesson in legal sagacity and foresight worthy the closest scrutiny of every student of the law. The times demanded a lawyer, and a lawyer of ability. The average practitioner would have been appalled by the situation. Menacing legal obstacles were interposed to every act of the administration. New questions presented themselves for consideration at every turn, and a man with a smattering of legal knowledge, or no legal knowledge at all, might easily have been fretted to impotency by letting I dare not wait upon I would, for precedents were wanting. And in the many imperious demands of the moment, timidity or recklessness spelled equal ruin. There was no positive, adjudicated authority for calling out the militia to suppress civil insurrection. There was no express provision supporting the proclamation of blockade. No precedent could be cited for the muster of the three-year volunteers, and the power of the executive to increase the regular army and navy was seriously disputed, to say nothing of his right to suspend the writ of habeas corpus. The conditions were all new, but the situation admitted of no delay. Counsel were not wanting, but the ablest of them differed among themselves, and every shade of opinion was represented in the discussion of these and kindred questions. The extremists, free of all responsibility, were urgent for prompt action, heroic measures, martial law, and every other means, legal or illegal, to effect their purposes. The opposition was untiring in its demands for the judicial interpretation of each letter of the law. Under such circumstances, it naturally followed that every exhibition of caution on the part of the administration was denounced as cowardice, and every decisive action was hailed as usurpation. True to his training, begun in the days when Stuart left him to answer his own questions in the dingy Springfield office, 
lincoln did his own thinking on the momentous problems which he encountered and he solved them without any attempt to shift responsibility for the result he listened to advice but seldom asked it one of his notable traits as a lawyer and no member of his cabinet ever claimed to have exerted any paramount influence upon his actions but if the times demanded bold fearless decision and firmness they also necessitated argus-eyed caution and shrewdness all the enemies of the union were not in the confederate armies and thousands of sharp cunning plotters in the north watched eagerly for a legal blunder of which they could take advantage while they attempted to intimidate lincoln into inaction by holding before him the direful consequences of a mistake indeed when a bill was introduced into congress in eighteen sixty one to confirm some of his boldest decisions for which there was no positive legal precedent it was bitterly opposed by the exponents of this badgering policy and was passed only after stubborn contest but when at last he was clothed with powers such as few monarchs have ever exercised when the fate of men and the very nation itself often depended upon a stroke of his pen the caution and vigilance born of his long experience at the bar characterized his every action it would be interesting to hear the confessions of the hundreds who called at the white house with the purpose of obtaining his signature to incriminating documents only to have their apparently innocent request granted in such a manner that it defeated their sinister designs almost every line of lincoln's writing from the official document to the scribbles on the little calling cards which he used to answer the thousand and one requests of the visitors who thronged his anteroom day after day shows a master of prudence acquainted with the dangers lurking in every piece of paper and able to guard himself against surprise with apparent unconcern it was a time when great events often hung upon trifles when the effective man was he who could tell whom to trust and whom to suspect and at every crisis and all hours of the day there was a shrewd lawyer in the white house it was lincoln the lawyer as well as the statesman who suggested and urged compensated emancipation upon the slaveholding states and who as counsel for the great cause himself drew the draft of the bill designed for delaware which had it been generally accepted would have saved thousands of lives and millions of treasure it was lincoln the lawyer who against his personal inclinations and the heaviest of moral pressure resisted every effort of the abolitionists to deprive the south of her property rights without due process of law and it was not until every legal remedy had failed that he exercised his authority as military commander and issued the emancipation proclamation it was lincoln the lawyer who fortified by his experience in hundreds of jury trials watched the people to whom a mighty issue was being presented and by anticipating and interpreting their thought guided popular opinion inspired public confidence and at last received the tribute of an unprecedented verdict it was lincoln the lawyer who knowing the crucial point in his cause and keeping it continually in sight remained serenely sane in the babble and pressed steadily forward undiverted and undismayed it was lincoln the lawyer who wrote the state papers which are today recognized as models of finish and form not only in his own country but wherever statecraft is understood and it was lincoln the lawyer whose shrewdness and tact not only saved the nation from foreign complications but paved the way for one of the greatest international lawsuits 
and most notable diplomatic triumphs, the Alabama Arbitration and Award. On the 11th of April, 1865, only four days before his death, Lincoln spoke of the work still to be completed. It was the hour of countless legal questions concerning the status of the seceded states, all based upon the inquiry whether they were still in the Union or out of it, and hot discussions on this delicate point were carrying the disputes far afield. But Lincoln had written that, as a peacemaker, the lawyer had a superior opportunity of proving himself a good man, and true to his own teaching, the great advocate waved the quibbling issue aside and passed directly to the heart of the case. That question, he remarked, is bad as the basis of a controversy and good for nothing at all, a merely pernicious abstraction. We all agree that the seceded states, so-called, are out of their proper relation to the Union, and that the sole object of the government, civil and military, in regard to those states, is to again get them into that proper relation. Finding themselves safely at home, it would be utterly immaterial whether they had ever been abroad. Let us all join in doing the acts necessary to restoring the proper practical relations between these states and the Union and each forever after innocently indulge his own opinion, whether in doing the acts he brought the states from without into the Union, or only gave them proper assistance, they never having been out of it. Reading these words, who can doubt that it would have been Lincoln the lawyer who would have proved the genius of Reconstruction had he been allowed to live and help bind up the nation's wounds? In the Oak Ridge Cemetery at Springfield, an imposing pile of masonry marks the spot where Lincoln lies. It is embellished with mighty groups in bronze, representing the glamour and heroics of war, soldiers and sailors dying and dealing out death, pain, horror, defiance, and rage depicted on their faces. But among all the symbols of valiant dust, one looks in vain for some recognition of the lawyer, jurist, and statesman, whose whole life work was an appeal to men's reason and the highest motives of humanity, whose only weapons were argument and persuasion, and who ever invoked justice, and never the god of battles, for the triumph of his cause. End of chapter 25 End of Lincoln the Lawyer by Frederick Trevor Hill